welcome to the Nightstand Collective podcast, where we talk about the spiritual lives of folks with chronic illness through the objects and the rituals that reside on their bedroom nightstand. Welcome to this first episode of my podcast on the Nightstand Collective. My name is Emma Jones and I am your host on this journey through the landscape of the liminal space that the interruption of illness can bring. This podcast series is the next step of the Nightstand Collective, which is a project that I've been working on for seven years. And I hope that this new journey will take these conversations that I've been having about the experience of chronic illness to new shores, where I really want to learn about the spiritual experiences of folks with chronic conditions. So I will start at the beginning. What is the Nightstand Collective? The Nightstand Collective is a documentary anthropological project that looks at the lives of folks with chronic illness through the items that they keep on their bedroom nightstand. You can visit it at thegeographyofillness.com and take a peek at the gallery. I started collecting what I call nightstand portraits in 2015. My goal at that point had been to collect 100 nightstand portraits and gather together all the data on all of the objects displayed to find out what those items would tell us about chronic illness. I'd thought about this um, many years ago when I was dealing with my own health issues and there were times in my life when it would shrink, my life would shrink and my nightstand really became my world for a bit. And I wondered about other people's nightstands and their worlds and what they were exploring. And people often ask why I didn't choose the bathroom cabinet. And the bathroom cabinet tends to be more medically orientated, which didn't really tell the whole picture. I chose the nightstand because I felt that this was the location that offered the most intimate view of the lived experience of folks with chronic health conditions. The nightstand offers really precious real estate because it's not very big. So anything placed there really has to have value. And whatever value that meant for the person is what intrigued me. The objects that we keep around us hold great meaning and the stories found within them are really rich. And for folks with chronic conditions, it's not always easy to talk about. And it's often not culturally sanctioned to talk about. I think what we're more comfortable about hearing is, you know, the acute illness narrative that has a treatment and restoration, and that's just more comfortable to hear. So again, I really thought that objects might be in some ways a more direct way to hear those stories. And I wanted to know what people were reaching for in the night um, to soothe them when they were struggling with their condition and what tools people were using for that condition. And importantly for me, I wanted to know about the inner lives of folks with chronic illness. Chronic conditions are a different creature from acute illness and a really private experience. Many people in these portraits 
have been lingering with symptoms for sometimes decades before they even get a diagnosis and they exist in a space of interruption. And it's that liminal space of no easy answers that is often where creativity arises. And I was really curious about that. And I wondered how do people find tools to do that constant cycle of reimagining their life with chronic illness. I wanted to know how people are functioning and making meaning of that experience, especially through their practices and rituals and their objects can really help to start that conversation. So I will tell you a little bit about the mechanics of the project, which I'll keep talking about through this podcast series. Um, This is a condition-led viewfinder and the only demographics that I directly gather is on the person's condition. And I do this so that other people can search through the website to find their own condition represented, to see if there is a tool that they might find handy um, that they see on somebody else's nightstand. Most people want their nightstand to remain anonymous, which tells you a lot about the stigma around chronic conditions. All of my male-identified nightstands are anonymous, so chronic illness is really hard in our culture on male-defined bodies. Other people want to attach their own work or advocacy, their art or their business to their portrait, which I'm always very happy to do. I have portraits now from 15 different countries and I'm always eager for more. So if you're interested in this process and submitting your own nightstand, please check out the website and send me an email to geographyofillness at gmail.com. Through the process of submission to the project, people have shared that they have had some insights into their condition or, you know, other revelations about their lives. So the process of looking at their own nightstand serves as a way to illuminate things that needed illuminating in some way for them. After gathering nightstands and having delightful conversations with people from all over the world, I continue to be endlessly fascinated by the enormous resiliency, adaptability, creativity and existential bravery that I witnessed through the nightstand portraits. The work of collecting these portraits continues for me and I'm now deepening that work into this podcast where we will talk about chronic conditions through the objects and the rituals on our bedroom nightstand. And we will explore the spiritual lives of folks with chronic illness through the notion of the Celtic idea of the thin place. The thin place is, in the Celtic tradition, a typically a physical geographical location where there is a quality that allows people to have access to spiritual realms. And I've often wondered about how chronic illness can also provide an intrinsic thin place and how access can be emphasized by our spiritual or religious practices. How do the objects that people keep next to them aid in the entry to this place? I haven't found that much out there about the spiritual lives of folks with chronic conditions. And so I hope that I can uncover more along the way about this in this space. And I hope that you will join me.
For my first episode, I'm going to share an audio piece that I created for an exhibition at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. The exhibition was created through an article on the project by Abelzine magazine. This is called Voices from the Nightstands. You will be listening to participants from the Nightstand Collective talk about their own nightstands. Thank you for listening. When I look at my nightstand, I think of all the things I've had to go through to get to this point. It's filled with my writing, uh, old events, some I couldn't go to because I was too ill, my medication, um, just everything really. It's like my whole life. And that includes the good things too. I think my nightstand and my altar um, are these practical and spiritual stations that help me from one state of mind to another. Even though they're low to the ground, they really are these citadels in my mind, these places where I can realign with some semblance of health and balance or get ready for the day or say goodbye to the day. And having uh, good books and beautiful things on them, uh, especially for depression, really breeds hope um, and is very important to be beside beautiful things and to steep in them. And this makes me think of the Renaissance philosopher Marsilio Ficino, who thought that all things contain soul and ooze soul into the world. So just being surrounded by them is enough. When I look at my nightstand, I feel comforted. I see a collection of owls gifted from my various friends and the owls feel like reminders of their love. I have an image of a serene lake that makes me long to connect to the beauty of nature on my stronger days. I also have items belonging to my grandmother. I never had the chance to meet her, but know she lived a life of great hardship. Holding her necklaces makes me feel connected to her and draw on her wisdom and her strength. When I look at my nightstand, I also see my meds and CPAP machine. I feel a sense of sadness and despair when I look at them. My health has progressively declined over the past seven years. And even though I'm doing everything in my power to manage my ME-CFS, it still feels out of control most days. When I look at my nightstand, I see a small white touch lamp so my arthritic hands don't have to fumble with switches or knobs. I see a bottle of mirtazapine 45 milligram tablets for depression and anxiety. I see a clay frog with a wizard's hat crafted by my little sister. On its hat are several rings stacked one on the other. I see a candle with the quip good vibes printed on the front. I see dried glass rings from condensation and next to them a coaster 
clearly missed the mark there. I see a box of plastic earwax removal tools, not prescribed. I see my Apple Watch, a device that has alerted me many times to my rapid heart rate at infusions. Not seen are the pills I often forget to take. Looking at my nightstand through the lens of the Nightstand Collective project has been really interesting and provided me with a tool to, uh, I think, better understand how my chronic illness impacts my life. I have multiple chronic illnesses, uh, including myalgic encephalomyelitis, endometriosis, cyclic vomiting syndrome, and generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, I think about ME as the kind of main illness, the one that affects my life the most on a day-to-day basis and is the most challenging to manage. And so I would think that when I look at my nightstand, I would see uh, lots of objects and things there to make my life with ME easier, but I don't. (laughs) Uh, My nightstand is extremely minimal and tidy And I realized with this project that that's because of my anxiety and that if it gets too cluttered, it makes my brain feel overwhelmed and really stimulates my anxiety. So it's very um, tidy and sort of precisely arranged uh, so that it brings me calm. And I have a lot of trouble sleeping. And so to have a calm space around me when I try to go to sleep at night, Uh, and wake up in the morning is incredibly helpful. My nightstand has two different personalities to it. One is reserved, hidden, and the other one, a little shameful. On top of the nightstand is a partially chewed dog toy, a scented candle, TV remotes, and sometimes even a snack. However, inside the nightstand, there are things that I'm afraid of being judged for, and at times shameful. There are violet candies, old jewelry, edibles, an LED beauty mask, because let's face it, in Los Angeles, everyone makes it known that you should be chasing your youth. Every morning, the bedroom and the nightstand are cleaned thoroughly, The objects that are on top of the nightstand are perfectly placed. In the nightstand and on top of the nightstand really represent who I am. On the outside, I try to make everything look motivated, organized, and happy. But on the inside, it's uncontrollable, fearful, it's chaotic. When I look at my nightstand, it's a representation of what I experience on a daily basis. Whether it's organized chaos, shame, judgment, happiness, contentment, disguise, it's still a part of who I am.
Well, thank you so much for traveling with us today on my very first episode through the Nightstand Collective. And a huge thank you to all the participants who shared their voices. Please follow the Nightstand Collective for more episodes. This season, I really have lots of fascinating guests. Among them, I will be talking with a psychotherapist on the topics of rituals for relieving the symptoms of depression, what the term re-yoke means, and Marcelio Ficino's view of the soul of objects. And I'll be chatting with archaeologist Alison Jones, who is going to share her work on medieval beekeeping, chronic illness and wax votives during medieval England, and the items that she digs up that tell her that someone had a chronic condition. All of this and so much more on this season. Thank you.